Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession in life to teach you how to be the most productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by giving you my top five productivity tips absolutely free. If you want it, all you have to do is go to my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Right there on the homepage is a link to get my top five productivity tips. On the show today, Joanna Brandy. She is a chief happiness officer. We're going to talk about happiness. We're going to talk a lot about what's going on in our world today with the rioting and the protests and how positive psychology, happiness can all tie in and make us a better people as a result. This is an incredible episode. So get yourself something to write with and something to write on because you are in for a treat. Joanna, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Now, you know, you cheated because I was going to say we're having Joanna on the show because we're going to talk about happiness. So, of course, I would expect you to say you're happy because that's what you do. (laughs) That's what I do. So uh, how did you get in to being a person who's an expert on happiness? I mean, I mean, were you a grouch one day? Were you like, um, what's that cartoon? The Grinch has sold Christmas and all of a sudden your heart got three times too big or two times too big, whatever it is. And, and you became happy. Tell us about that. No, actually, I'm not a genetically happy person. Interesting. Uh, yes. And, and, and 50% or thereabout of your happiness is determined by genetics and, of course, your early life. No, what actually happened is that I was sitting at my computer one day and an email came across from a friend who just simply said, I think you would really enjoy this. And this is 16, 17 years ago. And it was a link to a teleclass. Remember those? A link <laughs> I do. To a, to a teleclass the next night with Dr. Martin Seligman, who is the founding father of positive psychology. And so this friend suggested I go there. I was free the next night. I got on the, I got on the uh, teleclass. And the moment that Marty opened his mouth, I got an electrical charge that went from the top of my head down through my spine and into the ground. And it was just like God said, you better sit up, girl. And I did. I listened to everything he had to say. I knew I was a goner. And he was what he was telling us about was this brand new field of psychology. And he had written a book called Authentic Happiness. And he was looking for a thousand people around the world that in the course of four years, he was going to train to be what he called authentic happiness coaches. And oh my goodness, I was a goner. So <laughs> I studied with him um, and his master teachers for six months. We did it all with teleclasses and pods and, and, and meetings and extra meetings. Oh my goodness. It was beautifully arranged. Uh, and then I've just kept studying. I've taken master classes with Barbara Fredrickson and some of the other leaders in the field. About eight of us formed a group uh, and called ourselves the Positive Workplace International. And we stayed together for close to eight years. And we would, we would read books together. I mean, we were so hungry to get this information, which was not out in the mainstream the way it is now. That's interesting. And I am a firm believer that people who are happy, are more productive. They get more things done, both at work and at home. They they tend to be healthier. So you mentioned to me before we pressed record that there's science backing this up. Share, share with us some of those details. 
Oh, yeah, the science is wonderful. And actually, since you and I talked the last time, I've actually become certified as a chief happiness officer. Wow, congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, I got a lot more information now. Um, The science that's done on productivity and happiness says that when when people are happy at work, their productivity goes up about 31%. Wow. I think that's pretty significant. And I also think what 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 I enjoy so much about applied positive psychology is when you really think about it, it all makes sense. You know, think about your own life and your own productivity. You don't get a lot done when you're miserable. Mm -mm. You don't get a lot done when you're ruminating. You don't get a lot done when you're in a negative state. But when you feel good about what you're doing, when you're on purpose, when you are um, in the presence of other people, your mind opens up. The science on that tells us that when we are in a positive state, the right hemisphere of the brain and the left hemisphere of the brain begin communicating better. Mm. Now, I've recently uh, affiliated with a company that actually measures happiness at work as a KPI. So we're now able to measure happiness as a KPI, which is phenomenal, I think. And what we have discovered in that with through those studies is that there, there can be an increase of 300 to 400% in innovation in a positive culture. Wow. That's a lot of open minds, huh? Yeah, it is. And, you know, we are recording this on June the 3rd. And, listener, you're hearing this on June the 4th, if you listen to the day it came out. And our world right now is under some seismic changes. Oh. We have the coronavirus. We've got the uh, the protests going around the world. And if you go on social media, it's nothing but anger and hatred and divisiveness. And I think people need to take a step back and reconnect with happiness because anger very rarely gets you to where you want to go where happiness, as you just illustrated for us, will get to get to you to where you want to go. So let's talk about what's going on in the world today. And what are some of the real practical things that people can do? I know we're upset. You know, the thing that happened to this, uh, this black man was absolute travesty. I mean, I personally call the murder, uh, but so many, but so many people are rightfully so angry, Mm -hmm. but the problem is when you look at Rosa Park, she just said, I'm not going to move. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Martin Luther King very civilly and you know calmly walked across arm in arm and they got things moving. So let's talk a little bit about that and let's talk about how happiness can help us cause change in our country today. Yeah, I think the first thing that I'd like to do is let's move the word happiness out of here for a moment because... When you are feeling something like anger and hatred and and, and divisiveness, happiness is too far a stretch. So to to not be polarizing, and also because I work with a lot of companies, a lot of CEOs that don't like the word at all. So the simple substitution is to talk about positivity. Okay. Because it gets us to the same place without people. I think some people, especially when they're angry, don't want to hear that word happiness. So let's just, because it's the same thing. We're talking about the the experience of positive emotion. The good news about positive emotion is what it does to the body physiologically. And it allows us that mental expansion so we can think differently. When we're in a state of anger, biologically, uh, we, we resort to the primal brain. 
of course, we're in danger. Somebody's going to throw a brick at us, you know? So, so we resort to the primal brain. And when the primal brain is in charge, the neocortex shuts down. So all our solution making abilities get turned off when we stay in a state of anger. And our brains are only able to look for what's wrong in the environment. So in the experience of negative emotion, our brains narrow. And in the experience of positive emotion and positivity, our brains expand. We are not going to find the solution with narrow minds. Gotcha. So that's pretty much the first thing I would say. Um, And one way to get to somebody, I I just did a... um, a webinar this morning for a group and and somebody did ask you know well what's the what's the fastest way to get there let's say that you are working with someone or you're with someone in any situation when they're angry and they're upset and what have you and the simple answer to that is find a way to steer the conversation to gratitude find the way to get someone to think about the things they actually are grateful for because that moves you and it physically moves you to the other side of the brain because negativity is experienced in the brain differently than positivity. And because they can't be experienced at the same time, if you can truly get someone to think from that other part to my, my, um, the little, uh, cue that I use myself, if I find myself in that ruminating position or thinking badly about something for too long a period of time, I'll tell myself to turn left. Because people that are in a positive mode, we are able to do with brain mapping now, the the neurons in the left prefrontal cortex light up. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is that when we go to our heart, and I think that's the key thing right now, is how do we get people out of these states of anger and hatred? How do we get people into their heart? Because when you when you act from your heart and not your mind, when you put your hand over your heart and breathe deeply and think about something you appreciate, you tap into your heart intelligence. If we can have conversations with people while they're tapped into their heart intelligence and not their mind intelligence, which is very, very different, we would have more productive conversations. That's And we need to have more of those because yeah. what's going on now, uh, not just the protests, but a lot of people are hiding on social media. They're saying things on social media and using language on social media. They would never say to those people in front of their face. And I think that's a sign exactly. of cowardness. I mean, if yes. you're going to say something on social media, then you should say the exact same thing in person. It sounds like you agree. I do. I do agree. Um, social media is a problem for many, many reasons. And one of them is that it's very easy to hide behind it. Uh, and, and another one is that you, you create an identity that's not quite true because we, what we see on social media is what we begin to believe about you. And that may only be part of the picture. Yes. And we've all seen those pictures of people wearing tuxedos in front of Lamborghinis or in front of private mm-hmm. jets that they don't own. They rented the tux and they borrowed the yeah. Lamborghini. And, <laughs> and, and you go like, wait a minute. You see the guy, the same guy yeah. begging your groceries at the store. And you're like, wait, wait a minute. I saw your Instagram. What, what's going on? And he's yeah. living, he, he or she is living two different lifestyles. And I believe you should be really authentically you. So if you're struggling, that's okay. Guess what? You're not the only person that's struggling in this world. So just be you because if you try to be someone else, uh, in the words of one of the people I really like is Judge Judy, don't, don't, 
pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Okay. If, oh. if you are, if, <laughs> yes. you're, if you're telling people this is who I am and that's how you're acting, then it's congruent. But if you're telling people I'm happy, but then you're posting negative and negativity and hatred on social media, right. it's incongruent. So let's all be congruent. Let's be ourselves and let's not be congruent anger. Let's be congruent positive people. Oh, I, I agree totally. I think that uh, one thing that I find very interesting is that now we're all operating on Zoom, right? We are all in different, everybody's in our living room or our office or wherever. <laughs> and uh, I think that the guard is coming down and people are being more authentic. Yesterday, I was on a Zoom meeting. I'm taking a class and lots and lots and lots of really professional speakers and you know people that are used to getting all dressed up in their best clothing and all that kind of stuff. And um, I, had, I had an issue, right? before the meeting started. And honestly, I didn't have a chance to put on any makeup. I didn't have a chance to do, to do anything. I was how I was. That's all there was to it. And I didn't want to miss the beginning of the meeting because it was the beginning of the experience that we're going to have over the next six, six weeks. And um, so I decided to just show up. I decided to just show up the way I was. And I felt more comfortable doing that than I think I ever would have at any point in my professional life was just to say, sorry, guys, I was late. Boom, rather than, you know, a big long excuse about why I wasn't. And some of the other speakers, I have to tell you, were dressed as if they were going on stage because that's how they dress. And I think that that's a really key point because before COVID-19 hit, I was already beginning the transition from being a public speaker to going online. I just didn't want to live out of a suitcase. I've talked to so many people that I know personally. They said, yeah, you think being flown around the world and living out of suitcases and going to TSA and airports and hotels and, and speaking, it sounds great, but it gets very tiring. So I was starting to make the transition. But while I was still speaking, I decided I'm done wearing suits. I never like wearing a suit. I, that's not me. And so I started telling people I'm going to show up in clean clothes. I wore, I wore jeans and I wore sneakers and I wore a polo shirt. If you don't like it, then we don't, you don't hire me. That's okay. But I, then I started like blossoming because that's who I was. I felt I was in a, um, what's that coat they come and get you in when you're a straight, uh, a straight jacket. jacket. But to the point, to your point, some people that the suit makes them blossom. And so I think we need to be authentic. For me, it's not wearing a suit. If you like wearing a suit, there's no judgment. You need to stay in your lane and do what's authentic for you. And so I think it's funny you talking about your, you know, not, you know, putting makeup up on and stuff like that. And I was already doing that a couple of years ago because I said, this isn't me. Why am I trying to be someone nice. I'm really not? Yeah. And, and that discussion to go back to what we were talking about before, I think that discussion, that authenticity has to start showing up. Who do we feel authentically about these issues? These are these are terribly um, primal issues that we're working with because if we go back, you know, all of this stuff we're seeing all this happening now. But this is living in people's DNA in every race in ev in every culture that has been oppressed. Mm. Whether it was, you know, the what, the Irish coming over, the Italians coming over, the which doesn't matter. It lives in our DNA. If you've if if that's been your if that's been your uh, lineage, and I think that that we need to have some real honest discussions about that, and and really fess up when we are when we don't understand other people, when we don't understand other people's culture. That's a, there's so many um, there's so many misunderstandings because there has been really no very safe place for that dialogue to happen. 
Yeah, and, and I wouldn't call social media a safe place for dialogue. No, it's not. No, it's social social media is not the place to do it. And what's really sad about this is that you know I I would be sitting people down in circles to talk in person, uh, and 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 the only place that people are coming together now is in protest. We notice that we are not really coming together in friendship right now. We're not coming. There's so many ways we're not coming together now, but here we are in the streets in protest. That's so sad to me. Yeah, and I think um, what we need to do is a society, we need to put our listening ears on, okay? Oh, my gosh, yes. Because a lot of people are just, they're shooting their mouths off, and they're not listening. This is a legitimate problem, okay? And it took all these innocent, well, I won't say innocent because they were being arrested, but the inhumane treatment they got was ridiculous. It was way overdue that something should have happened. Okay. The problem is nobody, no human being, regardless of gender or skin color, deserves to be treated the way most of the blacks are being treated right now. And and, and people need to step back. Like, for example, we all saw the video that's going to be out there forever of that Mm -hmm. poor man. when, when When a grown man cries for his mom that's a war everybody in every language knows that guy is scared okay now i don't know what this police officer was doing but if it was me i'd be like okay there's something wrong here but he didn't stay take time to go okay i look at my other fellow officers okay he's secure i'm gonna release my pressure so i don't know if he's in another world if he wasn't thinking if he had a macho cocky attitude i don't know i can't get in his head he had a he had a history of abusing his position Oh, really? So that's a failure of leadership in that police department. He had a history, he had a 17 or 18 reports against him where he had used inappropriate force and things like that. He'd been misusing his position. Uh, and, and, and he was not, you know, sometimes we don't make the small calls. Sometimes we let this little thing slip and then that yes. little thing slip and that keeps going on. And that's how these things happen. But if we had the courage to, uh, make the make the smaller decisions and make sure that people like that are not put in a position of power where they have guns and they have the ability to do what they do. Uh, but it's, you know, we're not a perfect people. Yeah. Well, it's been, so you, you made the, the point of a small decision. I saw a couple nights ago, I saw a video footage where some police officers were arresting a, a black protester and the one cop was handcuffing and the other cop had his knee on his back and the other officer pushed him off and he, he said, what the F are you doing? I mean, dude, what do you think this protest is for? How do you do that? How, what were you thinking or not thinking? They're rioting over the abuse and the murder of this man. And then you go and do the same thing that just happened two days ago. And, and I, I heard someone told me very wise, I think it was my pastor told me last weekend, not personally told the whole congregation that, you know, if we think we don't like dirty cops, good cops don't like bad cops either because then what no, happens to make their job more difficult. So nobody likes bad cops except maybe other bad cops. Well, and you use the phrase, what are you thinking? Or what, you know, or are you thinking or not thinking? The problem is we can't think. I, I just wrote a newsletter or blog yesterday. And that's one of the things that I talked about there is that, you know, when, when we are in that state of anger, we're literally blinded by anger and we make very stupid decisions. Mm. Anger makes us stupid. Yes. Because we are, we, we jump back into that primal brain. That's it's like the crocodile is making the decision, not the human being, not the human being. 
And so we've got people that are inflamed all over the place. So if we go back to the original thing we were talking about is, you know, we use the word happiness, but whether it's happiness or positivity, there are different states of the brain and the body. And if we can get people into the state of brain and body where they're open to listening, where they're open to having a, a sincere discussion about how things feel, we're so far away from that. We need emotional intelligence more than we have ever needed it before. Let me ask you a question. Let, let's imagine, let's pretend here, like we did when we were little kids, and let's pretend that you had an opportunity to sit down with a group of protesters. Let's say there's 30 protesters, there are 15, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. There's 15 who are peacefully protesting. They're, they're not breaking any laws. They're, they're very, um, they're very diligent. They're really respectful to law enforcement. Then you have 15 people who are just there to, you know, they want to cause havoc. They want to break in the stores. They want to loot stores. Now imagine you're probably going to want to separate the groups to begin with because you probably wouldn't be able to get anything done. So talk us to if you had an opportunity to take the knowledge you have learned about being a chief happiness officer, how would you talk to these groups? Oh, that's the toughest question of my career. Um, <laughs> so we've got 15 that are wanting to break that. Now, will they sit down with me? Yes. They'll, they'll, they'll well, okay. All they're sitting. Sit I got yes. them sitting. I got yes. them sitting down. Okay. I got them sitting down. Um, I would. Um, let's start with the easy group first. I'm sure the peaceful protesters, I'm sure that'd be the easiest group. So let's start with that one first. Well, I would put them in a group together. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. I would put them in a group together. I would, and I would alternate them seated so that everybody is seating. To, now, providing I had the power to do that. Now, you, let's you might you not do. have the power. To, let's so let's assume, assume yeah. that. Yes. I would do some, I would do something to, um, to equalize the group. So I would, I would sit them, I, I would sit them around no table. I would sit them around in a circle and I would put a candle in the middle of the floor and I'd light the candle. And while I was lighting the candle, I would talk about the symbolism of a circle. And I would talk about from time immemorial, we have sat in circles and I'd think of the circle as a wheel and the candle in the center is the center of the circle. And you are all spokes on the same wheel. And everybody's going to get three minutes to say something. You can say whatever you want, as long as you don't malign another person in the group. And I'm going to pass a talking stick. And so while that person is talking, can we all agree that that is the only voice that will be heard? And I would systematically go around that circle and give everyone a chance to speak their voice and be witnessed without anybody interfering. So if someone interferes, they would need to apologize or leave the circle and they would now be. So maybe, maybe there would be a motivation to do it. I don't know. Um, but I think that's how I would do it is to make sure that everybody's voices are heard. Because I know when we do that, uh, eventually, especially when there are women in the group or there is a group of women, eventually we find out we are all the same. Mm. Yeah. And that's where the real dialogue begins. So until people can see we're right now, we're focused on the divisiveness. Yes. We're not focused on the sameness, but as a mother listening to, I've been listening to, you know, black mothers talk about what it's like growing up in the, with the consciousness that you never know that your kids are actually going to come home. You know, as a mother, it's so heartbreaking You'll get me crying here, sir. Um, as a mother, it's so heartbreaking to see this. Yes. 
And I think if we could get down to that level where it was mother to mother or father to father, where, where, where what we have in common was more important about how we are differently raised or differently socialized, once we get to the place of commonality, I think then we have a chance to raise the issues around race, the issues around uh, uh, how, how um, oppressed people have been. And again, it, 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 no one I other than the Native Americans, I can't think of any other group of people that has been maligned for the for such a long period of time as the African Americans and Black people. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is I'm originally from Rochester, New York, and and I had my my friend next door was Black, and I had Spanish people, so I never I grew up never looking at color. Right. And ironically, I really didn't experience that until I moved down to Houston, Texas. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't care what color you are. We're all God's children. I mean, I don't look at you. Oh, you're black or you're white. You're Asian. I don't look at skin color. And I think we need to accept everybody for who they are. You may not agree with them politically. You may not agree with them, you know, spiritually, but they're a human being. And yeah. I find if I just step back and go, you know what? Cause part of my secret to being happy is like, you know what? We're all human beings. We all have two legs. We all have two arms. We all eat food through a mouth. You know, most of us anyways, unless we're in a hospital, you know, so we all have dreams. We all have goals. Nobody wants to wake up and say, you know what? I'm going to be miserable all day today and for the rest of my life. Most people, I mean, yeah, there's a couple outliers out there, but most people want to be happy. Most people want to be respected, want to be appreciated, want to be heard. And so I look at people and like, you know what? I don't agree with you, but that's okay. We can still be good friends. We can still get along. And I think you know, people need to tap into this positivity that you've been talking about and this, this happiness, because if you can get both everybody in the group in some form of positive or some form of happiness. Gratitude, some form of gratitude. I don't think we could get, in a group like that, I don't think we can get people to a form of happiness, but I, well, unless happiness, unless you consider gratitude a form right. of what happiness. What I mean, I mean, overall, if more people would just mm-hmm. say, listen, I can choose positivity or negativity. I'm going to choose positivity. I'm going to choose happiness or anger. If you make those conscious decisions when you wake up in the morning, it's going to set a groundwork. It's going to put the stake in the ground and say, I'm going to be positive today. Now, you may not make that goal. You may get angry throughout the day. But if you start intentionally, like you alluded to earlier about a gratitude journal and, and just say, OK, I'm going to be grateful today because I woke up. And if you start that way, you're probably going to have a better time getting through the day being positive than if you started in a bad mood. Would you agree? I do agree. And there's an and I don't like using the word, but I do agree. And it is far more difficult to choose positivity when you are looking over your shoulder to see whether or not you're being followed or watched or in danger. And some of these, these communities are dangerous to live in. And so while you may get up in the morning and choose to be positive, when you send your kids to school or when you walk out the door yourself to take your 5 a.m. jog, what you're feeling is fearful because a cop could see you in a, hoodie and now a mask and 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 immediately make an assumption about your intention and that's what's been happening yes so when you are in a state of fear that choice to be positive is harder i am um i've had some uh, real issues with ptsd 
And I went through a few years where even with all the knowledge I have about choosing happiness and how to be in happiness and stuff like that, my physical body, my being, while I was processing some of this as it be, as, as I made the choice to go deep, deeper into it rather than try to keep skipping over it, um, I, I couldn't find happiness with a stick. I couldn't, there were, you know, my friends would say to me, my God, you're a happiness coach. How could, and I'm saying, you don't understand what you have to understand what actually happens in the physical body. So that physical, that choice of happiness is easy enough to make if we are feeling secure in where we live, if, if we have food on our table, if we have, you know, that kind of stuff. But if we're living in fear, it's harder to get there, Mark. I completely understand that. And of course, I come from a different, uh, a different way of life. I don't know what it's like to be in need. I don't know what it's like to right. walk in the store and, and have people, you know, look at you and, and, you know, say, Oh, you're going to rob me. You're going to shoplift or whatever. So right. it's really difficult for me to put myself in the shoes of a black person because I've never been ridiculed like that. I've never been pulled over because I'm driving a nice car and I'm black. So I, I cannot say, I know what you're going through because I would be lying. I don't know what that's we like. That's exactly right. And I think that's the pieces that we all have to realize is we can't know that. We can't know that we are not, we are not, we, you know, we have the, the privilege that we have of being white or the privilege that we have of being uh, educated or the, look at all the privileges we have that have been in some way denied, not to everybody. Some people get, get a move ahead and some, and some black families are already in the middle class or in the upper class and all that kind of stuff. It's not, it's not a, it's not a straight across the board experience, but it is as, as a culture, as a group, they, they, they came in chains. Mm -hmm. And, and I, like I said, because I believe that this stays in the DNA, uh, and until they are free from the legacy and the, and free from looking over their shoulder all the time, you know, until we are able to provide those kinds of freedoms and that kind of security, um, this won't stop because it's, we've gone too far. Yeah. And and we needed to. We needed to. The world had to be on fire for us to wake up apparently. Yeah. And you know, you know what really the single biggest thing that has changed my attitude every day is I allow myself to watch the news for 30 minutes once a night. I don't check Twitter news. I don't check Facebook oh, news. Good, good. I, I watch the news. I sit yeah. down and watch 30 minutes, get all updated. I've got my wife trained. I said, look, cause she She's a news junkie. I said, don't tell me unless the satellite's going to fall in my house. Don't tell me. Right, and good, when good. you don't expose yourself to all this divisiveness and politics and anger, guess what? You're like, oh, the world's okay. Now, I'm not Pollyanna. I know there's a lot of problems in the world, not just what's going on because of the George, George Floyd murder and you know COVID-19. There's a lot of problems all around the world. Everybody's hurting in some way, shape, or form, some more than others, but the thing is, if there's a shooting in Australia while well, my heart goes out to them, what is me doing? What is me getting worried about that? Gonna, how, I can't do anything about it. I mean, I could pray for them, but that's about it. And so I, I tell people, stay away from the news. Just stay informed, but not obsessed. I've been saying that for a couple months now since we entered coronavirus. Stay informed so you know what's going on, but don't watch the news all day long because it's just going to tie you up in knots. 
Well, exactly right. And and we also, we know that when you do that, when you watch the news for more than 20 minutes, and you probably have 10 minutes of commercials where you are, Correct. but uh, when you watch the news for more than 20 minutes, it actually has the same impact as feeling a, a dangerous emotion like anger and shuts your immune system down. So you're, you're changing your body chemistry when you're feeding yourself all of that stuff, and it becomes harder to get up on top of it. So it becomes hard becomes harder for you to be productive. It becomes harder for you to, to be positive. It becomes harder for you to be focused. It's all of those things impacting our brains. I think we don't, I think most people um, don't know enough about how their body works to know that that's what they're doing. That, that constantly negative news uh, is, is very detrimental to the human system. And then what happens is that there is a break when there's this breakdown of immunity over time, then you end up with these chronic, you end up with these chronic inflammation problems, which are causing so many people to be sick now because the coronavirus is a, um, It's opportunistic in the sense that it's looking for those compromised systems. And if you have a compromised system because you're not taking care of yourself or because it's not available to you, if you can't buy fruit and vegetables or you can't afford good food, you're going to be compromised. So there's so many things about it, but why do it to yourself? When 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 you're talking about the news, you're doing that to yourself. Absolutely. Well, Joanna, we covered a lot of topics today and Boy, we sure I, did <laughs> i think this is a very powerful episode before we wrap up um tell us where we can find out more about you and what you do online sure my main website is called returnonhappiness.com. wow and who wouldn't want to return get a return on an investment i mean it is the yeah. roi but you're getting investment on happiness so that's uh, exactly I, right and let me let me just give you one more yes, only ma'am. because i think it might be useful it's positivitypractices.com and on that one all we do is it's just a series of blogs on things you can do to be more positive and there is one up there about how you take a power pause so that when there you when you had too much news or you've had too much conflict or you've had too much coffee. You can you can learn how to take a quick power pause and give your body a breather. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you said that because a couple of days ago I posted on LinkedIn, when's the last time you stepped away from technology? And I think we need to put the phone down and go for a walk. And it's okay. You're not going to miss anything. I'm, I'll be 55 in about three weeks on June 21st. And I remember when you can only get the news in the morning paper or the evening news. So- nice. If something happened at two o'clock in the afternoon, you didn't know about it. Now it's like something happens and 30 seconds later, we have video, we have pictures, interviews. It's like, what? It's all, it's, it's destroying, it's destroying yes. us. It, yes. because that's where all this anxiety, even before the coronavirus and before what's going on in the, uh, in the communities and the protests and things, even before that, it's destroying us. Yes. Because our bodies are in a constant state of stress and bodies were not designed to be in a constant state of stress. I did, I do have a fun little book called 54 Ways to Stay Positive in a Changing, Challenging and wow, Sometimes Negative World. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's over at Amazon. That's easy to find. But when you mentioned your birthday, you said you're going to be 55. So you are 54 now. So we, we've I got 54 fi- ways to stay positive. <laughs> and I'm not 54 years old. I'm 54 years young because I'm, I'm heading for a minimum of triple digits. So that's my well, goal. Well, 
<laughs> me too. <laughs> maybe we can. Do, maybe we'll have time to do another interview then. <laughs> hey, you know, I don't plan on stopping this podcast anytime soon. So, Joanna, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was an absolute delight talking to you about this very sensitive topic, not only what's going on in the world today, but also how we can be happy in a time such as this. So thank you so much. Oh, you are so welcome. I thank you. This was a really wonderful, wonderful interview and an opportunity to to get a few things off my mind that I haven't uh, verbalized. So thank you for that. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com, and get my top five productivity tips for free. It's right there on the homepage at mrproductivity.com. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast so other people know about it. And then tell two or three of your friends about the show so I can help more people. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.